Around the NFL Podcast. Tussin to Purple. History. History, bitches. Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast. The first ever Week 18 preview. Rejoice. Dan Hans is here with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler, my heroes. Get excited. Hey, I don't care if it's the first week 18 or not. Like, just it's worth rejoicing that we've hit the end of the regular season. This is this is a flashpoint. We uh, it's the beginning of the end, you know, it's of the end of this year. The playoffs are better. Our little weekly format will slightly change next year. I mean, next week, like I, that. These are all things to celebrate as our. Um, the retirement of all these teams out there that we no longer want to talk about, at least their 2021 seasons. Yeah, I think that some of them, you know, we've tried to give every team its due to some degree, but when you really, really rot, um, the storylines become a bit, you know, redone, overcooked, and we are ready to send some of them back into the kitchen. Let's work on this dish again and present it in 2022. Yeah, yeah, that's well said, Mark. I think it's, uh, it is part of the cycle. Every team must die. Some don't die until Super Bowl Sunday. Um, only one team could be immortal and live forever. So I know this is, by the time you get to this part of the season, if you're going to be a, because we're not going to, some of the games, you know, we have all 32 teams playing on Sunday. And, you know, not all these games are bangers. A lot of these games are going to feature two teams that gain nothing other than worse draft position. Uh, by winning so not every team's going to get the love that you may want but at the same time you're probably burned out on this team if they're already eliminated then you get to spin forward to the pods in a couple weeks a a month or so when it's all reborn it's all reborn that's the cycle of life that's the cycle of the nfl it's very organic um and you know i know for some people that have been following a team that you know died two or three months ago I um, I'm adding a little element just to this week 18 preview, Dan, like it's just a little, a little, a little bit of spice. Um, Each game will have its own um, unique tagline. And why I'm doing this is because a lot of our listeners love to communicate with us on a Sunday, for instance, about, let's say the Jets Bills game. And they go into rich detail trying to get our attention with, you know, Jets quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson threw a real zinger right there, beautiful out pattern and a completion like don't even worry about that what you do is because we you know we diligently look at every every tech tweet that comes our way sure each game will have a very succinct um tagline you just simply say like guy in green through nice pass then you insert the tagline that i will give you before the jets bills game for instance and we'll sort it out on our own on our own time if i see the tagline i'll say oh jet guy in green must be zach wilson you don't need to add the rich detail I'll I we you, we we will do the work for you if that makes any sense at all. Did you follow that, Greg? I wasn't all yeah, the way not, there, but not total sense. But I like the idea that Mark's got a new bit and uh, that he's got a tagline for each game. I don't really need to get into the the Twitter of it all personally. That's for the listeners. We may not I, with that part of the bargain we may not hold up, but you will get a tagline <laughs> for each game. I would have said like also in, guy in green seems a lot harder to write than Zach Wilson, so I'm not sure like <laughs> what you're getting out of that. That's I don't know if that's helping. Right. That but. part of it needs maybe a little bit of um <laughs> workshopping, but you know, with the suddenly it was noon here when, and we're taping, so. And just like in the spirit of unsolicited advice here, if you're setting up a bit thusly just say, I got taglines for each game. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know how I'd like to add um, a layer of complexity that maybe I've not thought out completely myself um, to muddle the show, slow it down, and leave us in an awkward place. So uh, mission accomplished. Okay, it's okay. I'm looking forward to it. We're all looking forward to it. Uh, and I should uh, correct myself. Not every game is on Sunday. We have two games on Saturday. No Thursday night football. No Monday night football. But two games Saturday. So we're going to do our draft, as we always do, for the last time uh, this season. And let's start with the Saturday games. I guess we'll we'll hold the Saturday games and the Sunday night football game out of the draft. That makes sense, right? I think that, so. that does, yeah. So let's start with the Chiefs at Denver Broncos. Um, you know, the Chiefs coming off a disappointing loss at Cincinnati, but let's not get too lost in the weeds here. They were on an eight-game winning streak before that game. They got picked off by a field goal against a team that just was playing out of its mind on offense, and now they get the Broncos. I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is ever going to come back this season. I don't not, know where they're no, at. No, he's him. on IR. He's Okay, so they out. just moved Teddy out. Drew Locke's got a bad shoulder. We'll see if he's playing. Um, but, Greg, we'll start this way. Um, I don't know if this game's going to be able to tell us anything about the defense, but did what happened against the Bengals uh, kind of shake your confidence in Kansas City's ability to get a big spot in a couple weeks? Stop no, couple because weeks? it was like it was Steve Spagnola believing in his system like a little too much in the wrong matchup. I think if they played the Bengals again, they should play it differently. Like, don't leave the team. Don't leave the guys in in man coverage. But overall, they're a good defense. They're not a great defense. I don't think you know, any of these AFC defenses are incredible. The bigger takeaway for me for that game was their, their offense looks as good as it looks all season. And so does Patrick Mahomes that even the stops in the second half, if you go through each one, there, there were reasons for it. Uh, for the most part, he looks as comfortable, as confident as Patrick Mahomes as he's been all year. And the offensive line is so good and they have depth. Like they were down a couple players last week and they played awesome. I, more than any time all year, I actually feel like the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and it makes sense. This is a team that's you know made it to a, uh, a couple straight Super Bowls here. Maybe they're cranking it up at the end of the year. They're five and zero against Vic Fangio, by the way. There's no Patrick Sertan. There's no uh, Ronald Darby in this game. They they could not make this line big enough. It was ten points I saw earlier. I guess I'm gonna have to make it rain here. I wasn't even planning oh! on that, but God, I feel confident in the Chiefs it, just Ricky. putting up forty five. Hit the Ranger. Oh wow. Five and one this year, right? Six and one. Six, Six and one. one. Hamina, Hamina. Good for you. And yeah, that was, impu you, that was impulsive, but I do feel that very strongly. They would be one of my top two or three for sure. It's interesting, Greg, because um, the Rainmaker's doing so well, and yet your your struggles in the lock competition continue to the point where <laughs> you lock the Browns, and I talked you out of that. That's Good true. thing. So you jump to another team, the Chiefs, and lock them, and they lost too. So as bad as you've been in the locks competition, in the Rainmaker land, you're as hot as ever. Firecracker. I I mean, I've I've learned by being in various you know different ways of picking things over the years. You can be great in some, bad in the other, and uh, it's, it's almost all luck. But uh, and by the yeah. way, Mark isn't sitting out this conversation. He's having some tech difficulties. I'm I know. Sure we'll just jump keep on. talking. I just I was assuming he's going to be back. I don't know. Yeah. I don't once know. I heard there was a computer restart involved, I was like, oh, oh we can't cover no. for the guy. You know, a little no. pull back the curtain. Sometimes if there's a a tech diff in a big spot, 
uh, we just roll through it and that person pops back in. But it's been too long. Had to alert the audience. Have no regrets about it. Greg. This isn't much of a game anyways, really. Um, I want to say we should, for all these games uh, in week 18, uh, the stakes here. The Chiefs will be the number one seed in the AFC. And with that, of course, comes the first round by and home field throughout the conference playoffs. So the Chiefs will be the number one seed with a win at Denver. And they're going to win at Denver. And, and this is the hard part, a Tennessee loss at Houston. So they both have the same record, the Titans and the Chiefs. But the Titans beat the Chiefs 27-3 back in week seven. That That's the crazy thing, Greg, that like, and I agree with you. I think the last couple of weeks with the offense just looking free and natural and free and easy, that's such a huge development in our league. Um, so I don't I don't worry about their attack anymore. But that's how bad it was. Back in week seven, they were scoring a field goal for an entire game. That offense. That was crazy. It, 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 it is crazy to think back. It also, you know, that what you broke down for the number one seed, it's why they're going to play this thing to win. I've heard there's some talk of, like, well, they – because almost everyone else is – you know, there's a lot of teams that might be resting players this week, but I do not see them resting players unless right. they're up by four scores. And they're, you know, they're playing Saturday, obviously, and the Tennessee-Houston game is a early game on Sunday. So it's going to be all in front of them. They get to beat up on the Broncos and then sit on their couch and hope to get fortunate. All right, let's move to the other Saturday game. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys travel to Philadelphia – to take on the Eagles. And uh, so how pissed here, would Mark be if we just like did the rest of the podcast <laughs> pissed? I <laughs> think you'd like it. I don't know. He's prepped. He's got his taglines. We need to circle back we'll, and get we'll the circle back for his Saturday taglines for sure. Um, anyway, uh, so we have the Philadelphia Eagles hosting <laughs> the Cowboys. Um, both teams go to the playoffs. So the Eagles clinched, clinched that playoff bid. Um, with their fourth straight win. I angered Eagles Nation, Greg, uh, with a tweet on Monday when I was watching all the games as part of the power rankings process. When I noted, I went through their schedule and I was like, okay, when's the last time they beat a good team? And then I was just, I kept on going up and going up and going up. It's like, hot damn, they haven't beat a team that has a winning record right now. And then I said, I think these Eagles are the NFC Dolphins. And, ooh, the Eagles fans weren't happy. They didn't want to hear that. They And I get where they're coming from. It's funny, actually, how Twitter works. Like, at first, all the people were more like Gonzo-like, which was, well, you're right. Uh, you know, we're the best of the not very good. And it was very sensical. But then, of course, it, it probably showed up on, like, a, a some type of blog or something at some point. It got <laughs> tweeted out. And then all, all the maniacs came. And I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you, Philadelphia. I'm from New York. I, I'm not scared, Greg. <laughs> But I do feel that way. I think they're cannon fodder, most likely, in a couple of weeks. Well, one of the things I've always thought about you is that you're from New York. Oh, and you're not here. scared. I think they're different than the Dolphins just a little bit. But it's close. I mean, I, I see what you're getting at. But I just, by the eye test and what they have personnel-wise and their strengths in terms of their offensive line, and for the most part, getting pressure as a pass rush, I just think they have a little more um, to worry uh, an opponent, it's probably going to be the Bucks. They are going to rest in this game, the Eagles, like no team has ever rested before. I mean, they got COVID. A ton of their starters got COVID this week. It was implied on our air that they a lot of players took the COVID test on Monday, 
to get the positive tests out of the way, which it's like it's like COVID analytics. That's where we're at. Um, which is crazy because you only have to test if you self-report symptoms. Uh, so there's a ton of good starters, and I think they were going to sit everyone anyways. I've heard some talk that the Cowboys might sit players too. Tyron Smith has COVID. Uh, Michael Parsons is out with COVID. But I, I think the Cowboys want to get a good feeling about their offense, and I think they want to win this game because they're, they could be the two seed. There's a big difference between the two and the five seed. First of all, uh, you don't have to play, you know, the Cardinals in the first round. That's nice. But if you can have a home game in the divisional round as opposed to going to Lambeau Field, to me, that seems absolutely worth playing uh, three quarters of this game with Dak Prescott. Greg, guess what? We have developing news. I'm Tom Brokaw. Mark Sessler is back. Back from his tech diffs. In a big we're spot. actually on the Sunday night game now, Mark. You're, we're almost. <laughs> oh, done. what did I? Two weeks in a row, I've somehow dodged all responsibilities on the Thursday show. I don't know what happened. A, a router exploded in my home, and like we, you know, we, ah. we started it. We'll see what happens. A quarantine what life. You know what I'm days. saying? Um, <laughs> what did you I say? I have no idea where where you are, so I will just I will use context clues. Did you say <laughs> happy wife, happy life? No, I said quarantine life. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I wish the I said happy wife, happy life. All right, uh, we did th- miss your tag though for yeah, Chiefs Broncos, so let's get that because we we're in the middle of Eagles. Okay, Cowboys. Ricky, get our tag little sound bite, please. <laughs> the tagline is "Snow Day at Baxter College for Women." Like that, nice. I like I like um, you're being a leader right now too, Mark. You know, people talk about like what what is leadership? Is it making like the a big speech before the game or anything? no? It's leading by example. He he's showing us right now. Week eighteen, he's not phoning in. He's coming up with new material. Nope. He's he's gaining energy as we get to the finish. I mean, I missed I missed seventy five percent of the show, uh, so I don't know what phone in would qualify as. But I would yeah. just say what Greg's saying is spot on. True leaders, uh, it's actions, it's not words necessarily, and I think you've caused us all. Uh, to lift our game and just so just so I'm aware of how this works there's no explanation it's just this is the tagline and we keep moving or are we supposed to ask what the hell that just meant no you can you're allowed to but I it is not my intention to bog the showdown or add an extra 18 minutes as I suggested up the top it would be these are quick taglines we can just ignore and move on they're All functional right, gonna, for further use we're gonna let that one sit and marinate uh, for the listening public all right so back to uh, the Eagles and Cowboys uh, Mark, you missed that Eagles fans are mad at me on Twitter, uh, but I ain't afraid because, you know, I'm up there in the Bronx slinging pizza dough, listening to Frankie Valley playing stickball on my day off. Oh, over here now. Well, but, I'm very, I'm very glad for you. So you've, you've annoyed them and then, but you just, you're, you don't think about them. But the Cowboys, uh, Greg, that was a good point. I believe, uh, they need a nice win here to go into the playoffs. They don't need it, but they could use it. And I mean, the offense needs to show up if they're healthy, if they're on the field and score three touchdowns, four touchdowns and, and go to the postseason feeling like you have a weapon um, that people can't stop on that uh, on that side of the ball. That feels like important, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm a big proponent, like going back and watching teams that go into the playoffs in the right way and what it means. And you're going to obviously be dealing with an Eagles team that could be sitting all sorts of players. They've got a ton of people, as Greg mentioned, on the COVID list. Dallas does too. But you'd like to say maybe we take this narrative of the slumping Dallas offense and put it away for a, for a bit because three of the last four weeks for Dallas on offense have been a problem. That Washington game 
was a total fireworks show. You'd like to see that happen again as a tune-up because I, it does matter where you wind up seeding-wise. Like they can improve their situation there. So this game has a, a big impact for the Cowboys. They are most likely locked. They're not locked in, but they're most likely Dallas, the number four seed in the NFC. The Eagles can move up to as high as the sixth or the seventh. Um, we'll see what happens. All right. Any other thoughts there before we move into Sunday, Greg? All right, let's move into Sunday. Let's move into the draft. And uh, Mark, good thing you're back. Oh, where's your tagline for that game? I'm sorry. Oh, the tagline. Quick, Erica, the sound. <laughs> Boss, it's Paula Poundstone on line two. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Is that the disgraced comedian with the giant pants? Ah, uh, yes, that's the okay. that that would be her. All right, let's move to Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying them so far. Two for two. Um, draft style. Mark, you have the first pick in the final Ooh. proper draft of the year. Well, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Patriots at Dolphins. I'm intrigued by this game. Uh, I want to see New England come in. Now, New England can still it, theoretically grab the number one seed. If some other stuff happens, um, they could still win the AFC East if Buffalo ever were to tumble against the Jets. So there's there are a multiple you know factors here for New England to go in and play the best game they can. And I you know I don't trust Miami's offensive line in this game against New England's defense. Um, I thought the meltdown against Tennessee kind of uh, to your argument for weeks, Dan, unmasked the Dolphins as a non-playoff contender. Their defense is spicy, but they got run over by Tennessee a week ago. And I know that game took place in ugly conditions, which affected Tua's play. Uh, this will be in Miami, obviously. And I mean, the, the I don't know how much to give faith to these things, but Bill Belichick's record against the Dolphins uh, since 2000 has been a problem compared to how he's dealt with the Jets and the Bills. These games in Miami, in the road, in South Beach, have been an issue. They, they they knocked them out of the playoffs a year ago. They knocked them out of the bye two years ago. And these were not, you know, necessarily starry Dolphins teams. They're not that different than this year. So I guess you just want to hope that the Dol that the New England has learned whatever lesson from that um, and doesn't have some sort of a hangover. I don't expect them to. I think they'll run the ball really well. It's probably not a huge Mac Jones game for me. I think if anything, you don't want to put it into his hands. You just want to do what you do, keep it clean, keep it vanilla and try to punish a defense that's going to know you pretty well. Brian, Brian Flores is one of the few like kind of expats coaches that seems to understand how Belichick's mind works and, and, and affect it on game day. Right. I'm not I'm not concerned with like the record of Miami over his career, but the fact that Brian Flores has a winning record is absolutely instructive because this team, this Dolphins team is similar in its strengths and weaknesses as, as they were in the past couple of years, including week one where they beat them, you know, took an, a, a fumble late in Dolphins territory, but who knows that was uh, a nip and tuck game where two teams looked very even. It was a long time ago. I think the Patriots can show that they're a better team. They're more complete. I mean, they can run, they can pass. They're pretty solid uh, against the run. They have playmakers in terms of JC Jackson and Barmore, who's just playing out of his mind right now. They gave Adrian Phillips, who's been a great pickup at safety, uh, a contract this week with I thought was smart. They get Aguilar back. They really miss Kendrick Bourne when he was out of the lineup. He's back. So they're like a better team overall, but I kind of expect this will be close for a while just because Miami generally is that team. If the Patriots are really taking off though, like may maybe they do wax them. I it just, it would, it would really change. I think the Tua conversation in the off season, as silly as it is, I think how Tua plays in this game will, will matter. Like if he plays awesome and they win, I think that'll, that'll 
that'll help point out a lot of the positives that he had this year because the last three weeks have been really ugly for him. So I don't think it's silly. I, well, it's silly if you're saying it all comes down to one game, but I think what's happened now that we've had a full season of Tua and we've seen you know the slow start by the team uh, and Tua and then they got hot and he had some good games in that stretch, but he's never really felt like a transcendent first-round talent that they wanted him to be. Uh, and then with the season essentially on the line, when they finally face a big-time team in Tennessee, he does nothing. The team does nothing. So part of me is like, man, I wonder if it already was sealed, that Tennessee game. Like, they're like, we want to – when when Deshaun Watson is traded to the Dolphins in a month or two months or whatever it is, a couple months from now, um, I really think that Tennessee game – maybe it will seem unfair, but I think that might've been the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of Tua's long-term viability in Miami, but maybe he lights up the Patriots and that helps us helps him. But I don't know if that's going to happen because I don't think we've seen enough from Tua in the Dolphins offense to think that they could hang with a defense like this, the Patriots defense first in points per game allowed third in total yards allowed fourth in uh, opposition, third down percentage, second in an oppos- opposition passer rating. They're holding quarterbacks this season to a passer rating of 72.4. And, and they are third in takeaways. All that seems to set up to me in a game at the where the Patriots are playing for the division, hopefully for them. Uh, I think this is going to get away from Miami, and this feels like 31-10 to me. Mm. That, that, would, that would be a a great sign for this Patriots team going into the playoffs. Cause I know it was the Jaguars a week ago, but it, that doesn't, I don't think matters to the players there. I, they had two games where they were not playing well and they came out of last week's game feeling like they're absolutely back and they're back and refocused. And I think to the 2018 team, which is, you know, I think the worst Patriots team, maybe that won the super bowl, that team lost two games in a row in December and then they beat up on some patsies the last two weeks of the season and came into the playoffs playing well. I don't think this team is headed to a Super Bowl necessarily, but I think they have a shot. Like, I think I think it, basically almost every team in the AFC that makes the playoffs, I think, has a shot. But I, I don't think – I don't view the Patriots having that much worse of a shot today than I did in Week 11. I, I've At least as a fan, I've been kind of consistent where I – I think they got a shot, but they're gonna they're gonna need some breaks. They're gonna need some great game plans. They, I mean, the other thing is they don't trip up against lesser opponents. I mean, you know, the Jacksonville game is instructive that they went and just absolutely took them apart. I know that's a bad team, but I, I would be shocked if Miami pulled another trick scenario here. You're not gonna have Ryan <clears throat> Fitzpatrick, you know, having someone jump on his back and carry him off the field like it was a year ago. Uh, do I have to say instructive now in the next five minutes? The rule of threes. Oh, did Greg also say that? Yes, he did. We've just become one being. Do you want the tagline for this game? We we'll always want the taglines. Ricky, get it. Tagline, colon, tell me I'm bad. <laughs> it's, it's a nice Sounds window. Sounds like another in. router just exploded. Right. Well, it's, it's a nice window into Mark's uh, subconscious. I've no, been no, no. enjoying it. I, I think um, he likes to be told he's bad, I, ideally by a female uh, trained assassin. Must well, be no trained comment. though. If the assassin is untrained, do not tell him. Oh yeah. Dead. If she's been highly trained, yes, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. All right, let's take a break and then we move to Greg. All right, we're back. Greggy, you're on the board. Psych, gotcha, baby, because I'm jumping you. I'm Uh-oh. jumping you, baby. It's a dead hand. Shout out. Uh, 
I mean, this is a, a classic, Woo! a classic uh, move by a guy who forgot to use it in a better spot. Wakes until week eighteen. You know, it's like the second pick. It's like you just checked in your your free ice cream cone coupon was running out today. You're not even hungry, but you just got to use it now. Anyways, well, it's it's playing out just as you'd expect here. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I waited all season. One of the it's it's now being remembered by football historians and podcast historians is like the Herschel Walker trade. Uh, whatever it was that Greg gave to me, I gave to Greg. It all was building towards this. I've jumped him three times. I remember uh, what it was. It was a Ravens Bengals game um, <laughs> that the Ravens got waxed. <laughs> and now here we are. Somehow, Mark doesn't take the best game off the board. He he stuck around in the AFC East. He loves Belichick. Worked out for me. So obviously, I'm going to grab the game of the week, one of the games of the year, the 49ers at the LA Rams. NFC West on the line. Huge stakes. That is what I would have taken, by the way. I just absolutely in transparency. I want to show that in in future, you know, cases when I deny that you got me, like this is. I know I'm truthful here. Yeah, of course. What's with your whole trying to sell? Like, oh, you got your little ice cream ticket? No, bro, this was well (laughs) orchestrated and carried out. Do you think that maybe I'm nice enough where I I left that for one of my two fellow podcasters? No. 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 Okay. No, no, no. But I am looking forward to your tagline. (laughs) All right, here we go. Interesting game. Fascinating game. Greggy, where are we at on Jimmy Garoppolo? I know he was uh, practicing this week, and you know Kyle Shannon wants Garoppolo to play. You, it's It's been laid out there for weeks and weeks that he, he trusts Jimmy G on some level more than the kid. What are we hearing? You know, that he practiced, he was limited, that he's still feeling pain. Um, but there was some video of him throwing the ball, and you know, to my untrained eye, look looked pretty good. Well, there pretty was, I think maybe we're watching the same uh, video where he, uh, George Kittle was taking passes right. from each of the it's three quarterbacks. It's just one throw, yeah. but it's like, I don't know. He's out there throwing, so he can he probably throw He makes the catch, and then Kittle, who's a WWE character, is like, oh, yeah, that was a good ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so let's say Jimmy G starts. Um, I think that's where this is heading, but don't discount Trey Lance having a big role, uh, whether it's coming in or some type of tandem thing here. Um, The Rams, it's all in front of the Rams here. Uh, They win their first NFC West title since 2018 with a win here. And what I'm looking to see here, San Francisco has got a top five ranked defense this year. Um, Which version of Matthew Stafford shows up in this game? Uh, Because the turnover late in player, that's a problem in the playoffs. They're going to the dance either way. The Niners, where are we at on the Niners? They're at nine and seven. They will clinch a playoff berth with a win or a New Orleans loss at Atlanta in week 18. So those are the stakes in this game. They're very high. Which version of Matt Stafford shows up, Mark? Well, I think that, you you know, the Matthew Stafford experience includes both. I mean, the the pick six um, stuff happened. It started in that romp, the San Francisco romp, where, Basically, it put it put the Niner the, the Rams into a 14 nothing hole that they never escaped from. And that was because of the Stafford mistakes and also San Francisco's ability, um, Mike Shanahan's ability against Sean McVay to orchestrate long clock chewing drives that really kept the Rams in that game specifically in the dirt. And it was the game that kind of left people wondering, are the Rams finesse? Now, I do think that Stafford last week, after the initial mistakes, I mean, he went, what, 14 for 14. He was pretty pristine down the stretch. So I think that's the other part of Stafford. I'm with you 100% because if it's Jimmy G, it's also a quarterback whose mistakes 
could unspool this team. And we've seen that a couple different times. So I'm wondering if we get a little bit of Jimmy G and maybe a little bit more of Trey Lance, because I know it, I know that game started a little rough for them against Houston a week ago, but I thought that Trey Lance started to really feel more comfortable as the game went on, see, see the field a little better. And that touchdown to Debo Samuel, it's like, do you want that X factor in a game like this when the Rams have very little tape on this guy? I think it's just a TBD. And I mean, you know, Shanahan said uh, this is going to be a game time decision at quarterback for competitive balance reasons. So I wonder if we finally hmm. get that mix that we've been looking for. Yeah, I I would be afraid of Trey Lance a little bit if I was the Rams, because that's how the 49ers have beat him over the years for the most part is their running game. And Trey Lance, Elijah Mitchell, and Debo Samuel together on the same field, th that's a lot to deal with. When, when Trey Lance was starting earlier in the year, players were injured, Ayuk wasn't up to speed, Mitchell wasn't Mitchell, Kittle wasn't himself, and I... I think it's tough, and I, I think we will see more of Trey Lance even if Jimmy G does start. Now, Jimmy G's undefeated against the Rams. He's 5-0. and McVay hasn't won a game uh, against this 49ers team. One of the reasons, I, I think, is they haven't been able to hold up defensively, and that's where I've seen the biggest change with this Rams team. I know Von Miller hasn't like lit the sky on fire, but he's great at setting the edge. He's been a plus starter and you've seen Leonard Floyd, Ashawn Robinson, Gaines, and then especially Aaron Donald going from like good Aaron Donald season, which is, you know, pro bowler, all pro, to otherworldly Aaron Donald again, which is, you know, where he is in like the inner circle Hall of Fame. And that's the kind of run he's on now. And so I, I think that's a problem for the 49ers. Uh, and, and a difference between when these two teams last. I think last money played. pushed back um, on power rings this week. I have the Rams at number two overall, uh, and I actually put I put a lot into um, the, how that game ended. I thought it was very interesting um, that they had this game where they struggled, where the quarterback was making bad throws, and then for them to be able to close the way they did. It was a championship close, uh, the seventy-five yard drive. Uh, and Mark, you kind of hit on this, like the precision uh, that Stafford threw the ball with and that every ball was exactly where it needed to be ending with the Beckham touchdown. And then Von Miller, as Greg mentions, he's um, he's had a positive impact on this team. He's not Von Miller of 2015, but he doesn't necessarily need to be. He makes the biggest play of his Rams career. That crushing sack of Tyler Huntley keeps Justin Tucker off the field. So while that was an imperfect game, that close is what really good teams do, even on days that aren't so hot. And isn't it fair to think that it was going to take time for Stafford to kind of find his way in this offense a little bit? I mean, I just think when you see the Rams in that in that late period of that game, the Rams at their heights are a Super Bowl team. Now, if you get mm -hmm. bungled up with a bunch of mistakes, and we've seen it happen a couple other times where they the Stafford issues, um, which shouldn't come as a surprise to longtime Stafford viewers, they could not overcome those. And so, I mean, the Niners, I think, are a bad opponent if you get mistakes plus the Niners executing on offense. That's the Rams team. That's the team the Rams have not been able to figure out and solve, which would be the scary, you know, end of the of the bargain here. But I think this you're right that it's game of the week material if it plays out as expected. I mean, I don't I sometimes look at these games and think actually this game could be 38 to 10 in the third quarter too. They're but not Who's winning though? Who's winning Let's that game it. then? Let's pick it. I'm going to go with my heart and go San Francisco. 28 to 23. That heart has betrayed you this year, Mark. Oh, a thousand yeah. times. I took the Rams on um, my game picks on the site, 26, 24, which is a, a thread the needle. It's like under the point spread, which started at five and I think it's down to four and a half or four now. But I, 
this is such a coin flip. They could play again next week too. Like if the, there is a scenario, if, if the Saints lost, especially in the Rams one, that they could play again next week, which would be highly annoying. And uh, I think, the, the, man, knocking out the 49ers would be an emphatic way uh, to end this little streak here. And I do think the two seed really does matter. Um, Dan, the, the Cowboys would pass the Rams if the Cowboys won and the Rams lost. Um, and mm. and who knows, if the, the Bucks could pass them too. Uh, potential. I think they. The, I think the Rams have the tiebreaker there. It depends on if it's three way. They do it, because they beat them. But yeah. Right. It, but if it's a three way, it comes down to conference record, and the and the Cowboys get it. So it's a lot at stake for both teams. I got thirty one twenty four Rams, but th- I think this is going to be a really good game. Um, and if the Rams do get in with a win and all that and the momentum that goes with that, um, look out. They really. And Cam I think, Akers are a could be back. We should mention Cam Akers, who I, I think yeah, as good as Sony Michelle has been, he is not a pass catching back. Akers is a little more complete. So I think the combination of those two guys would would be great for them. Bummer. I would because... give you a little. I'll give you a little Gregism. Yeah. The Niners, the number two run defense DVOA wise right now. So mm. that's a small factor. Um. Bummer though about that. Greg, because you actually stepped on Mark's tagline there. His tagline for this game is Cam Akers could be back. No, it's not. You want to know what it is? <laughs> no. Well, yes, I do. Ricky. <laughs> Hungry for chocolate. Okay. All right. There's there's definitely a um, an uncomfortable sensuality that's really creeping into the That is a dietary taglines. item. I mean, most all well, we adults all know and children enjoy Chocolate's chocolate. Chocolate's got some sensuality pop. Well, you're adding spots. your own. You're adding your own. Um, not my thing. I don't do that. I'm I've just never, saying you're, you're then, adding and, your yeah, own layers to it. Not, I didn't, that's not where it is. I didn't come in with that layer necessarily. Greg's wife's a chef. Leave what it. What does that have to do with it? I don't know. <laughs> Tell me. Now you're up, Greg. Third pick. Yeah, you've real. You really have uh, boxed me in a corner here, because uh, I, you know, the best. I made ne- the baby. Games are in the afternoon, and yet it doesn't matter. I got to admit, I, the game I want to watch is Colts-Jags, and I know it could be a blowout, but I don't care. It's the game that matters the most in the early window, and it's also the game where if it is close in the third quarter, it's easily uh, the most important game of the week because if if that happens, then suddenly the Ravens and Steelers are alive, uh, it changes the stakes for the the Chargers. It also would be like an epic uh, disappointment for the Colts to even be close and, and the tension could be high. So even though I, I kind of think it'll be a blow, I'm going to take Colts Jags and remember that the first time these teams played, it was very close. I made a mistake on the podcast previously. I was thinking about a Colts Texans game, the Colts Jaguars game back in, I think it was week 10 was maybe the most complete game the Jaguars played all year. They lost it by six points. There was a punt return touchdown by the Colts. It was one of the better games by the Jaguars' offense. The Colts' offense did nothing after scoring a touchdown early and then getting this punt block touchdown uh, to go up big. I I don't know if that's necessarily uh, telling, but I think it's more telling than the fact that, you know, they haven't won in in Jacksonville in in six years. I don't care about those old Jaguars team, but this one did play its best game of the year against the Colts. And, you know, could Carson Wentz be squeezing the ball a little tight coming out of halftime if if this game is actually close? I'm curious to see at least. I mean, the Carson Wentz thing came back, had COVID. We're now familiar in this podcast realm with the effects of COVID. And it is crazy. There's this was reported um Stephen Holder uh from the Athletic 
Um, one of the things that NFL training staffs are learning this year is that the after effects of COVID are felt most when the body is pushed to its limits. I think we underestimate its impact on the entire NFL this season, to be perfectly honest. I thought that was a good tweet. I thought it was interesting. Um, it made me think of Tyreek Hill when he came back from COVID a couple weeks back and had no role uh, or made no impression in that game for the Chiefs on a day where they you know, lit up their opponent offensively. And it just makes me think, man, we're all – it's. I know I'm like maybe too much of a defender of Wentz, but at the same time, he's one of those guys where he just – People don't like Wentz, they, and they there's a celebration when Wentz struggles. I think it's a little bit of confirmation bias for all of Twitter when he struggles. And I think maybe not enough was put into him coming back as quickly as he did uh, from having COVID, not being vaxxed. And I'm just wondering, like, is that a throwout game or is that more reason to be concerned that he's an up and down guy? Because before he got sick in Arizona, he led them on a couple drives that were absolutely money and had me feeling super sky high about the Colts. I'm willing to maybe but throw out. But the week before that week. was one of his worst games of the year. You know, I know it was kind of a mess. So that he he's been consistent this year. I think overall, he has not been that roller coaster. But the last three weeks, he's been that roller coaster. I mean, that was against the Pats, though. I will say that. I mean, that's right. one of the best defenses in football but if you if right. you knew like because we spent all offseason projecting Carson Wentz as a potential success because of the environment Frank Reich all that stuff if you looked at his overall season we would call it a success I just think that his low moments kind of have the ability you know we just talked about Matthew Stafford if you get too many low moments of Wentz in a game that's the end of the Colts when they get into the playoffs in this game I think the x factor I mean it's it's a I don't even know if it deserves a letter but the Jacksonville offense um, has just been getting worse and worse and worse. And it, the season cannot end soon enough for Trevor Lawrence. They are defunct. They are inoperable. I don't see a game uh, playing out the way it did last time. When I called Jacksonville the berserker team after that close Colts game, because it really made you think, <laughs> were they coming together finally? But they were mm. not. And if I'm Indy, I just like basically you ride Jonathan Taylor early, you get an early lead in this game, and you never look back. It's inexcusable to lose this, and I don't think they will. Right. They, they, you know, Darius Leonard said we were practicing much better this week. Last week was lackadaisical. Darius Leonard, who, who Wes always loved him, some Darius Leonard, his, he's forced or been a part of 12 turnovers this year, Darius Leonard, on his oh, own. The punch. From an right. off-ball linebacker yeah. position. He, but also because of that punch. COVID. He could be in the mix COVID. of defensive player of the year uh, mix too. I mean, he I, he's not quite there for me with with Donald and Parsons and Watt, but he's not he's not far he, off. He did it again last week. It didn't result in a turnover, but it almost was huge. Um, the, just punching that ball out. He has that skill uh, like Peanut Tillman that it just it's such a weapon. And you wonder why more guys don't do it. It's probably hard to do. Um, Trevor Lawrence, to your point, Mark. He had that garbage time screen pass touchdown at the end of the Patriots game, and that ended a streak of 184 pass attempts without a touchdown. I don't think any team has a more important offseason in front of it uh, than the Jaguars. And the um, playoff scenario, the Colts clinch a playoff berth with a win over the Jags, so that's the easy way in, or they lose, which would be, as we're saying, it would cause chaos in the AFC. If they lose, uh, they only make the playoffs. If Pittsburgh loses at Baltimore and New England loses at Miami, plus Chargers lose at Vegas. So basically, Colts are cooked if they don't win this game. But they should. You got a tagline, Mark? Yes, Ricky. <laughs> Aircraft to Chernobyl. Aircraft to Chernobyl. I get that one. 
By the way, Ricky privately messaged me saying it's starting to annoy her that you keep calling for the drop. She's a professional. She'll hit it once I tee you up. Well, let's don't see need how that, that double... goes. Let's, I, I'm, listen, like, this is a new project. I'm open to um, in-progress critique, and I will, I will attempt that next time. And Wait, see she, it, told, see she told Dan that she was annoyed? Why Ricky, not just I don't, tell me? I don't know if I betrayed your confidence there, but I just want to make sure we're running a very smooth That wasn't... Ship. Yeah, that wasn't exactly what I said. Um, but I was like, "Does you don't have to say Ricky every time, Mark. Like, I get timing of a drop. Right. Because gorgeous, gorgeous girls do their job the right way. All right. Well, I stand heavily is. corrected. It, it was is. not a necessarily a take on your um, ability to do what you do. But there's now no I'm way. You know, be I can't like, this one. Hey, Ricky, up. I get your teen reference. Yeah, thanks, bud. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous girls stay up with pop culture. Erica tried to convince Dan to do it before the show, but it's funny because you know. you're an old dad. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. It's back to the old Zeuser in a big spot. Uh, I will take Jets at Buffalo. Same kind of vibe here, obviously, uh, with Indy Jacksonville. Is it a great game? No. Could it be a bloodbath by the end of the first quarter? Yes. But what if it's not? <laughs> what if it's not the Jets coming off? Yes, they got their hearts ripped out there um, at the end of the game by Tom Brady. It's happened many times in franchise history. It's just he's wearing a different uniform now. It doesn't hurt the same when it's uh, when he's not wearing a Patriot uniform, I got to say. But still not pleasant. Did help them in terms of keeping them in the top five of the draft. So I try to keep that in perspective. And most importantly, Zach Wilson and Greg, we talked about it last Thursday that did not set up well for Wilson to play well with Todd Bowles coming in and and the Bucks having all their uh, playmakers on defense. Well, the boy fared very well in that game. And in fact, uh, when it ended the way it did on that controversial fourth and two call uh, where there was a bit of a miscommunication and it led to a QB sneak that failed that set up the loss, that bummed me out because I really thought, you know, let Zach win this game in the fourth quarter, uh, but they really kind of reined him in. So we didn't get to see that really dramatic ending, but I thought that was his first clean, good game. Positive. Well, but one reason, yeah. you know, they he didn't throw as much, it, it was in short yardage, because their running game was so good, and they had reason to believe in it. And, and they've had a pretty good running game in general this season, especially the last month. And in in that, and Wilson's confidence, that was not just his best game, I thought. I thought it was by far, because... He was just so com confident, comfortable. Maybe it was the running plays a week before, just like gave him this feeling. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a badass. I belong here. And he just started, you know, throwing the ball much better. Um, I I really love that for him, and I want to see him have another good game. This is another really tough test, but another if he can look one. good this week, man, you just have a, this is what late season football can be about for losing teams. To go into the off season with two games like that or three games like that would be really. So awesome. I also think like he lacked some confidence after he was injured. I mean, like they mm -hmm. they verbally acknowledged that he looked like a different player last week. And if you look at this game, it's like the Bills romp on bad teams. Talking about run game, I think Buffalo has been able to run the ball better. Their offensive line against New England and last week against Atlanta has come together. I think it's a big, good, it's a positive sign for the playoffs. I mean, they ran for 200 plus a week ago. So I like that element of Buffalo's offense becoming a little more balanced. But they kind of remind me of teams were saying like Dallas, like some of these others go in with some momentum. Like 
the, I think that they're determined to drop a mega hammer on New York and get out of this thing, winning the division and kind of getting back to where people viewed them a couple months ago before some ups and downs. That would be my pick too. And the desert thinks that as well. I think the jets are close to 15 point underdogs for the second straight week. Um, but at the same time, I was deeply unimpressed by the bills against the Falcons another team. You thought they were going to trounce in their building and, Josh Allen threw interceptions on three consecutive drives. Stefan Diggs dropped a touchdown pass. Uh, they, if the Falcons could just execute a little bit better in a couple spots, it's a totally different game. I mean, uh, so the 29, 15, I think it was final score was misleading. Um, we'll see. And just to, uh, put a bow on the Wilson talk from my end, not only has he started, he hasn't thrown an, interce- an interception in four games, which is interesting. Uh, he also has not, um, He's starting to hit the layups, as Salah calls him. And he had a couple of the, a couple of throws where it was like, oh, damn, there it is. That's the throw. Those are the throws that we saw and heard about where he threads the needle and throws an absolute laser. So, again, as I said, Greg, I uh, Mark, you weren't here for it, but I I said that I I'm scarred, obviously, as a Jets fan. I maybe jumped the gun on, on writing the boy off. I'm just trying to take a more of a macro viewpoint and and sit back and let it develop more because I know how much around him. This structure is not great around him, but seeing these signs really makes you hopeful. And we'll see what happens against the bills. Uh, does anybody else agree that the Buffalo, the Buffalo performance against the Falcons was a little dicey and you wonder if that team could show up in a couple of weeks? Yes. I, I felt that way about Buffalo for months. That said, I'm not, I don't, I'm going to personally choose not to overreact to the three picks and four passes because, you know, I mean, it's, there's a tick down with Josh Allen on some levels from, from his year ago. But I, I kind of feel like this is sort of who you're going to get at moments with Josh Allen. And he still is essentially the son they revolve around. But I mean, that he's one like, particular game, I'm not that worried about. Yeah, he's like Pete Cam or better because he, he's a little better as a thrower in that like his baseline is still high because they won that game partly because of his running ability. That once they threw those interceptions, they stopped throwing the ball and he had 82 yards rushing. He's such a good red zone runner. He's such a good runner in general. And and Mark, I think your point about them getting their run game together is big because on days like that, well, maybe when Allen's not feeling it, maybe you can still win a playoff game uh, because of his legs, because of their running. Yeah, tough though. Know. You can you can only survive like one of those games. It's I was gonna say I don't know if I yeah. buy into their running game uh, based on the Atlanta game. I buy but into it was Allen good though. To see. Like if if yeah. he's taken off ten times, he he's is a frightening guy. He's frightening. And it happened against New England to some degree the right. week before too. So I mean, it just arrow up after it was a big issue. All right, Greg, you're up. Hold Man, on. I... Hold on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Make sure mommy signs your report card. Told you. There's a theme here. There's a theme. What? That's just a, that's something that happens with your when you don't you're a, a responsible well, you, child. You make sure that you yeah, but are you made it sound um, yeah. You put a if little you like rewind, sensuality if you into that, that back and listen to what you no, said. No, I'm not. I I don't have a lot of experience at reading taglines, so I'm probably learning how to be. I'm not trying to put my own emphasis on it. I, I think you're just right, naturally a sensual guy, and it's coming out in these taglines. <laughs> I I haven't done it yet, out. but I will. I'm going to ask what that means. I, I, it just was something that I was thinking about that when you were a child, I remember getting um, one one grade that was quite hideous in, you know, not shocker. Right. Frost, no, I understand class. that. I yeah. understand that. I mean, right. I understand the idea of having to take a report card home to your mother that maybe yeah. is the dicey grade or whatever. But like, how does that connect to the, the game in Orchard Park this weekend? <laughs> 
Well, that's not up for me to decide. I did not claim that they all oh, have okay. like sort of deep gridiron links to the actual um, content. I was just looking for any link. That's all. Zach Wilson's report card matters. He has a chance ah, okay. to improve some of Thank his you. grades. There you go. I like it. All right. I promise not to ask anymore. You don't have to explain it. But that one I was just more curious about. Greg, you're up. I'm going to take the Seahawks Cardinals, uh, which is an important game for the Cardinals still trying to win uh, the NFC West. I, I don't think there's like a lot separating these two teams right now. I, I like the way that Arizona stood up last week, but it also just took a lot of extraordinary plays. And I don't know if that's a repeatable thing. The way that Seattle's been moving defenses in terms of their offensive line for Rashad Penny has been pretty impressive. They've been an unlucky team this year. Obviously, Russell Wilson hasn't been at his best, but he's coming off his best game of the year too. And I, I'm just curious about this Cardinals team going into the playoffs. They they should get Connor back, it sounds like, this week. He's been limited in practice, but now Chase Edmonds looks like he's out again. So they haven't been able to stay healthy. And I wouldn't be totally shocked if the Rams uh, were able to back into winning this division. Uh, because the Cardinals lose this game. Well, I guess you were waiting to see it with Rondale Moore, who was, you know, <clears throat> he's practiced on a limited basis. They've, they've been without some of these guys, and I still see a Cardinals offense that uh, they can dazzle you, but they are working through some of their own issues at a weird time in the year to be doing that. I, it was an, a nice performance last week for the most part, but they still at times um, leave you a little beguiled, and, and they feel like a team that could get picked off um, in this playoff race, they're just, they, they, I feel like they peaked. I just like when's the last time, by the way, just, you, you brought him up. Like when's the last time Rondell Moore made a play? Well, he's been out of the mix, but you're right that he was, a, he seemed to be like the juicy X factor that made their offense overwhelming at times, but you take him out of the mix. There's no Deandre Hopkins. It seems like they've got injured running backs every week. And you know, they, they were missing Rodney Hudson at center. I thought that created a ton of chaos. He's back at least, but they're not the healthiest team, and they don't seem to be the most um, in sync. That was an important, obviously vitally important for their confidence, but I'm I'm with you, Greg. I think Seattle, and I'd like them to lose because I wanted that, that draft pick to stay in the top 10, but it feels like playing with nothing to lose, they're going to be loose. They just had that game where they got the offense going in a big way, uh, dropping the 50-burger. Um We'll see. I've been kind of doubting the Cardinals all year uh, after that 7-0 start, and it, it, it's it been correct for the most part, and I guess I'm doubting them again. So I, if I was in the Greg Rosenthal, I have to pick the game mode. I am picking Seattle here uh, to win. Um, mm. And they are like six-point underdogs, so, you know, you could – you could really, uh, you could really clean up if you take take that the money line, you know, just as a straight upset. Well, that's you. Right. I don't put a raincoat on. That's you. That's your world. <laughs> and I stay away from your 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 realm, and you know, and I respect it. I mean, it's not like uh, totally, you know, if you like them to win, you like them but to I win. I love that. I love that. I love them. Yeah, uh, covering that for sure. That's that is like disappointing for Arizona if that becomes a reality. Very. All right. right. Let, do you have anything else to add? No. Yeah. Just a tagline. Did you have any? Oh yeah, just the tagline, of course. <laughs> Actually, before the tagline, oh well, yep. no. Once the drop happens, that's it. Well, no, we can, we can. We're into the not. We're into the tagline. All right. Tagline. Two plus two equals. Hey there, sailor. Okay. <laughs> now, see, there is a theme here. <laughs> They're gonna have to put some type of uh, mature rating on this podcast for this I episode. It's, I, it's eye of the beholder. I mean, I, you know, Tipper Gore may not like it, but someone else might. <laughs> I can't wait for the Senate hearing where uh, D. Snyder of Twisted Sister is uh, 
he's testifying on our behalf. There's no like ninety percent of our listeners are are not into the Tipper Gore reference. <laughs> well, it's, you're right about your craft. All right, let's take a break and we will continue the draft. All right, we are back. It is Mark Sessler on the board. All right, I'm going to go Titans at Texans. It, it kind of feels to me like the brother or sister game to Colts um, Jaguars. Where can it's I like, just can I just yes. jump in real quick? Yeah, this week's kind of annoying. Because it's like all these teams with a lot on the line yeah. playing these stiff teams uh, where if just things – I mostly blame, blame blame the Browns and the Ravens, honestly. Like if well, we just had a couple other teams step up in the last couple of weeks, this would have been a wild – considering the way this year went for 95% of the season, we should have had a, a week 18 that was the craziest week 18 ever. Instead, we're like, well, maybe the Houston Texans will pull it together and pull off a major upset. It's like, no – <laughs> Probably not. There's not a lot of juice here. There should have been more juice. All right, go right. Ahead. There's quick, like two quick, great quick. games. You're right. There's two like really important games, and the rest of them, you're right. You're absolutely quick right. fix. Like league. I mean, I think we could have even like known at you know eight months ago. Let's have the Texans play the Jaguars, uh, and let's have the Colts play the Titans in Week 18. But pretty girls they, would have liked that two, better. Right. I mean, just or? like I like the division no. game aspect, but we knew the South. We knew what the South was. So. This is relatively annoying. Um, I would say this is different, though, than playing the Jaguars because this Texans team, I, I think we kind of thought we knew what they were for a long period of time, but in that David Cacali was maybe a dead man walking, I mean, they're weeks removed from putting it on the Chargers, and they played the Niners tough. Like, they, like I, they're just, they hang around, and, and like, they're not incompetent, and they're, they're playing real hard. So the Titans, you know, they, you've got A.J. Brown back. You're going to get Derrick Henry back at some very soon here. Like we're beginning to look at the Titans team that we once knew. And I would just remind people, because I know there's all this hubbub about should they get the number one seed or not? And that look, if they falter here, someone else steps in and probably grabs that. But this is a team that in four consecutive weeks when they had everyone beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Rams. I mean, that's a playoff run. That's a Super Bowl run right there. So I take them seriously. I think that we've seen them heat up. I mean, they were so physical against Miami last week on defense, the way they ran the ball on Miami, which is a good run defense right there, that I don't think that this is a make-pretend necessarily number one seed. We just – their early wins put them in this position. They've done the just enough since, like, and now think, they're rounding into shape. I don't – there's this – there's an idea, not to keep going back to the Titans fans being upset, but like – there's an idea that people don't think they're a deserving number one seed. I don't think that. I think a lot of people that are following the the league, they don't think that. It's kind of worked out in a positive way for them. But once we do get to January football and the play the playoffs, I think they could beat any of these teams in the AFC, especially this year. Uh, but the difference is, like, when I look at the number one seed in the NFC, the Packers is like, that's a powerhouse. And teams having to come into their building uh, to beat them in one of two games – that's going to be very tough. I don't feel that way about the Titans, but it doesn't mean I don't think they're a real team or I think they're a paper champion. None of that. Mm. It's just, it's, there is, there are levels. There are like, it doesn't have to be black or white. It, it could be somewhere in the middle. And that's where I am on the Titans. I, maybe they're just, uh, have scar tissue. These Titans fans, not just from being overlooked, uh, by the national media, but from 2008, one of the weirdest number one seeds of all time, Kerry Collins, Tennessee Titans, 13 and three, 
Uh, and that was the storyline that year was like, is this Titans team really any good? And then they went out meekly in their first playoff game to the Ravens. Uh, so, so maybe it's Titans fans remembering all the way back then. I don't think they have to worry too much about this week, but they did lose to the Texans, you know, fairly convincingly the first time around. Now they were, um, they were about at their low in terms of player availability. Then AJ Brown wasn't in and out of that game. Uh, but that was the week Vrabel like wasn't even practicing because they couldn't, they couldn't you know, fill an entire roster of healthy players. It wasn't COVID. It was like in injuries and it was a turnover fest. Tannehill ended up throwing a bunch of picks right at the end of that game. The, the Texans defense has been pretty tough to the point where you could imagine it being somewhat close for a while. But I, I'm with you, Mark. Like they're so physical on both lines. They should just like push the Texans around and, and make this thing. This is a playoff game for like, make this thing very boring because the, you win this game, you advance around in the playoffs. That's what right. Rabel say. Too much home. is at stake. These teams, like you're to your point, Tamar, you got a team with something that has to go and accomplish something versus a team that's sort of, you know, got a bunch of people thinking about the fact they'll be in Aruba, you know, 24 hours later after, after the final whistle blows, you cannot falter here. You just got to take care of business. It's a, the rest of the football world has completely forgotten about the Brett Favre was on the Jets season. Uh, but Jets fans, there are moments of that season that were so much fun. And one of them is when the Jets went um, to Tennessee and beat up the 10 and 0 Titans, uh, handing them their first loss of the year. I remember that game like it was yesterday, watching that at Birds in West Hollywood uh, or in Hollywood. Um, that was a nice memory. The other one was the Thursday night game against the Pats, Greg, which I know you remember, the Matt Castle Pats. Um, then it all went I was to hell. there. I was there. You were that, there. That was the last game I went to as a fan until this Rams game with the family. It was that oh, Matt wow. Castle Jets game. Randy Moss crowd, had the big touchdown cold. catch at the end of regulation to send it to overtime and then um, I think Nick Folk hit the field goal for the Jets uh, to win the now game. But there that- he is. All these years later, Patriots legend. Isn't Nick that Falk. crazy? He is a great kicker, Nick Folk. All right. Uh, any other thoughts about this game, gentlemen? No. Other than Dante Foreman, I think will be a factor in the playoffs, even if Der- Derrick Henry's back. They're- Henry's practicing a little bit this week. Foreman's been great. This was a high draft pick that was coming on late in his rookie year, tore his Achilles a couple years ago. He's a pretty talented guy. I don't think he has been a fluke. And so I think with him, when Henry is back, you don't have to give Henry the ball 30 times necessarily. Maybe Foreman is mixed in. He's been really, I don't think it's just been the O-line. He personally has been really good. I don't know how many running backs have come back from an Achilles scenario where right. they look as powerful and fast as he's looked. And it took him a few years. I think that's what explains why, why is, was this guy on the street? It's because he didn't look very good coming off the Achilles, but now he's a few years removed from it. I think it's uh, two and a half years removed from it. The Tennessee offensive line is healthy and all together for the first time now. So these, it all seems to be kind of coming together for them. And that's one thing I don't think most people realized, even when they were kind of scuffling before these last two wins, the the run game has pretty much been there all season yeah. with or without yeah. Henry. So it can only get better uh, with the big dog and you never, ever fade the big dog. Tag Mark. Line. Oh, Mark, give us a tagline. Breezy shopping spree in eastern Iran. Breezy shopping spree in eastern Iran. Is there, Are you correlating Houston, Texas to Iran? No. Feels it's like a first, blowout. It's not blowout the first thing I'm the doing. Blowout of the Texans. So people of uh, Texas in the Houston area, that's what he was saying. 
I'm going to decode that for you. Well, I would typically want to counter that, but we, we can move on. Do you think I had that right, Greg? I think you nailed it. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I like Houston. We went there for a Super Bowl, had some amazing seafood. I bet, I, yeah, I've done I like a couple too, Super Bowls to, in Houston. I like it. It's a nice, nice Super Bowl town. Nice Super Bowl town. Uh, all right. Mark, snakes to you. Lance right. Zierlein took us out. Lance knows Houston. Yes, he did. Lance we went Zierlein to that UFO Houston. bar with, with Wes and the crew, too. Uh, I had a, a wonderful time there. I do not consider it the equivalent of Iran. I'm going to go Packers at Lions. <laughs> Early game. Busted. Not much at stake here. Wait, this schedule's rough if this is getting drafted, but I, I well, can't. I'm We're going to pick up my, the pace at this point. I'm looking at yeah, my let's little go. bit here. Um, I mean, look at the Lions still have a chance for the number one pick if the Jags ever, you know, won that game against the Colts. I don't see that happening. But I, you know, I guess we'll just, we'll see how long, for me, it's like how long did the Packers play? I guess you, you got Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's practicing. It sounds like they're going to essentially be out there to start get a lead you think it's manageable and just roll because it, there's no reason to put anyone in harm's way. I mean, longer projection. It's like David Bakhtiari is practicing. Jair Alexander has come back. I mean, at some point here, so they're getting healthier and they've done all this with a bunch of guys not playing. So this is a nice little warm up to what comes ahead. And I thought it was interesting that Aaron Rodgers said um, today, or it was at least comments that I read today about Brian Goodenkoost that it's been a really nice fall and winter, that he appreciates his approach, how it's been. There we are. I think this, I think, you know, Greg mentioned the other night that just the way that Aaron Rodgers is talking, it sure sounds like he's sticking around. Mm. And uh, I thought some of these comments might have might have sealed it. He said, the grass is greener where you water it. I don't know if he got did, that out of his one of his books, but did, he's using Well, that. did you see that? I hope you uh, give credit to where he said that. On the Adam Shine podcast. That's right. Exclusively. Wait, Shine got Rogers? Yeah. Shine got Rogers, and I read those quotes. Do it, Rockland um, County. And he asked a good question there, you know, that you know, about Gudekunst very specifically in their relationship. And yeah, he said he really appreciated how Gudekunst met him halfway. I don't know exactly what that meant, but that that was promising for Packers fans for sure. Did you see the thing that um Rogers really doing a lot of media, by the way. Rogers was doing his weekly spot on the Pat McAfee show, and he told McAfee that he put the Atlas Shrug book in his background and referenced it just to trigger people who who he thought would go after him, as they then predictably did. Did you see that? I did. I mean, we. I think it would have helped if we had caught that before our Tuesday discussion. But um, you know, that was a next level troll move there that seemed to um, get the desired effect by Rogers. Right. Greg, I mean, the floor is yours. That's, well, that was news. That's news to me. I didn't hear that. Um, that seems like just something you would say after the fact, don't you think, too? Like, he, 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 has, he has put himself out there politically as, like, a libertarian and a Joe Rogan fan and stuff, and that book is, like, a Bible to libertarians and the political views. Listen, we don't spouse. need to so relitigate it. it. I don't, we need I'm to just, go down this road I'm again. saying he seems like a person who is lost enough to, because he feels small in that moment, then to make up a new thing and, and say, like, I did that to trigger people. So you're calling him a liar. Well, I mean, that is obvious. He he says lies say publicly say Aaron all the Rogers time. Rogers is a liar. So Ricky could pull that quote. No, we don't. We don't want to make on cue, Greg. Here, go now. What, three, two, one. Say. And Greg. He has right. dis deliberately misled the public. 
about his Ayn Rand views. <laughs> is it Ayn? Is that what it is? I think it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, right. yeah. All right. That's good. Good talk in that game. Let's move on. Tagline. Hertz rental vehicle taken out by laser fire. <laughs> I hate that game. How do you pick where, that game? Where is I mean, laser technology at, by the way? Didn't you think question. by now, by 2022, there'd be a bunch of soldiers just like eviscerating each other with laser fire? And yeah. I don't want to see war. It I don't, seems like it never really it never really advanced past like the guy with the laser pointer in the stands at football games that occasionally right. you know annoys a ref's like, eye. I want my lasers. I would, my, Santa brought the boys a uh, Nintendo Classic. It's like a mini Nintendo that has comes loaded with 30 of the classic games. And I probably played it more than them. Um, and Contra is one of the games and, and, and it's follow up. It's 1990 sequel, super Contra. I mean, these are great games. They had lasers in that shit, and lasers were absolutely, uh, you know, you want to take care of some aliens, you shoot your laser gun, which had to be earned. You had to work up to get to the laser. I would just say like the U S military and all its might at some point, if we could develop laser tech. Yeah. Maybe well, we won't have to worry about ISIS anymore. Maybe we won't have to worry about, you know, certain military skirmishes going sideways. Yeah, and I think you're also, you know, to the super contra point, um, you're telling aliens or alien technology, like, we're on your level. Like, we we can right. bring a weapon we that see you can you. respect. Right. Which we are unable to do, according to what we know. Instead, they come down in the UFOs and they just look at our military facilities and laugh. Mm. No lasers. We're laughing. Still stuff. no lasers. Right. <laughs> Humans have no lasers. <laughs> and they go back to the <laughs> other galaxy. <laughs> New Year's resolution for the United States military. More lasers. All right, Greg. I'm up. Let's uh let's wrap up with Steelers Ravens. Greg sits out the laser discourse. I didn't have much to add. I thought it was fun, you know. <laughs> Some some of these you got to let the heavy hitters take take the ball here. Steelers Ravens, what a rivalry, what a matchup. I I, I think this is uh I think this is gonna be uh, a game where everyone in the AFC North gets uh, a moral victory. Even the Browns maybe this week with with Case Keenum playing against the Bengals backups. We haven't gotten to that game yet, but I think this game matters more to the Ravens. Uh, I think they. <sighs> felt like the Steelers, that is, that they kind of won their playoff game on Monday night. It's a short week. Uh, there's no Deontay Johnson. He's on the COVID list. They're starting center, who they were also without Monday night, so they're, they're used to that. Kendrick Green also onto the COVID list for Pittsburgh. And I, I just think the Ravens are a little bit better of a team anyways in that they have a better quarterback right now. I liked what their defense did last week in terms of playing against type, playing very conservatively, Got the running game going, which should work against uh, the Steelers. I mean, uh, why not? Just lock this game up. Why not? Let's lock up the Ravens. Oh, you're locking them up. For, well, like forgot about right. the locks. And uh, this seems nice. All right. Up. You are not alone on this one. Let's check in with uh, Wesling Lock Company. Mm. Hello, heroes. It's Nick, and I'm back after a three-week hiatus. Last week, <laughs> you guys mentioned Phil has done the last three weeks and is getting a little stale. I want to apologize <laughs> for leaving you with the boring brother. You aren't the only ones asking where the rest of us are. 
People reached out from all over asking, what happened, Nick? Where are you? We can't listen to the monotone sounds of your brother anymore. And by the way, what happened to Tim and Larry? We loved them. And I thought Chris had six brothers. Do the other two even exist? People want answers. First, I can confirm there are six <laughs> brothers. Second, I reached out to the other four. Ed, Tim, Larry, and Mike. They issued a joint statement which reads as follows. No longer will the four of us allow the oppressive ATN podcast use our voices without proper compensation. The downloads of said podcast have consistently increased since the Wesling brothers have lent their voices without even a hint of monetary recompense. Close quote. What the hell is monetary re recompense? What the hell is going on? Who are these people? First NIL deals in the NCA. Now this? I don't even know what's going on. But it did get me thinking. Should I join in this boycott of the podcast? Where's the sad I want to paid too. Ah, screw it. We're taking the Ravens over the Steelers. Lock it up. Have All right. Guys, that's what 22 is better than 21. Hey. Wow. To that. From your lips to God's ears, my friend. Hmm. Well, they've Love become Nick difficult. Wesley. They're becoming more difficult. That's good, though. They're like, they need, you know, it's important that they understand <laughs> their value and their employer or the, the people that provide the platform respond to that and take care of them. They've also done a terrible thing um, because it's like you're going to get paid a certain amount of money, but you're going to have to split it between like 200 people. It's like that you let's when so you, many when, brothers. I mean, it's too many it, for, for it to be zero money divided by thing. six. What is that? Well, <laughs> zero by six. Carry the one. Oh, you're getting nothing, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> we do give them a international platform. Uh, yeah, that's to that's uh, give people an insight into just this wacky world that's like first you get that then you have lifetime or whatever coming to you to do like uh, how about you know the Wahlburgers that the Wahlberg family opening up a hamburger business what if we do it with the Wesslings like that we're providing you the platform to gain a higher level of mm. notoriety like does that have value that's pay yeah. enough I would think that's fair I, I that's tend fair. to think it does they're a lot like the Wahlburgers if you're just missing like the international movie star and the member of like one of the biggest boy bands ever. But other than that, there's, there's a, there's lot, a couple of Donnie's in there. I wouldn't say there's a Mark. <laughs> I don't see a Mark. All right, Mark, I see you with a tagline tagline. Here we go. <laughs> oh, you, Oh, Ricky was late on the queue and Mark gave an eye roll. That was good. Well, we knew it would happen, but it's but she's done an, an exemplary job. Uh, tagline: Chewing on plums from the seventh dimension. Chewing on plums from the seventh dimension. Mm. That one feels like class classic Sessler nonsense. I don't think there's any way to tie that to the game. No, unless JJ or TJ Watt were to, you know, somehow get the sack record, maybe we'd all be doing that. This is this game does have something at stake. We should just point out the scenario for the Ravens because the Ravens have not been knocked out. They need to win. They need the Jaguars to beat the Colts. They need the Pats to beat the Dolphins. And they need the Raiders to beat the Chargers. You know, the, the Jags part obviously is important to, to the Steelers too. The Steelers stay alive if the Jags uh, beat the Colts and the Steelers win this game. That's so it. Crazier things have happened uh, than the Steelers, you know, winning this game and making the playoffs. The the Ravens are really counting on on a lot, including those Jaguars. But if they got the first one, it put a, a little extra juice even into that that Sunday night game. 
the most simple or the most likely outcome, of course, is that the Colts are blown out the Jaguars in the second quarter. And this game also 1 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Everyone knows it. And by the second half, it's just like, all right, see you later, Big Ben. <laughs> you know, like Harbaugh and I don't know. I feel like they want something to celebrate here. This is this is kind of their Super Bowl after all these close losses against pretty good teams. Get this win and at least you feel a little better. I don't need all another right. week of <clears throat> Pittsburgh, but we, we are in that reach of that 8-8-1 eight, eight and one scenario. Just, uh, just to track that. So what do we need? We need a loss. Yeah, That's it. I mean, that you talk about things that are very doable. The Steelers losing this game is very doable. And we have it's that magical you, result. All right, finally, I'm thinking about the show, of course, but I can't imagine bringing myself to watch Chicago at Minnesota or Washington at Giants. I just can't do it. Um, so I will grab, and I'm surprised it's still here, but I know Nick Shook will have eyes on it, but I want to I watch New Orleans at Atlanta because this is fun. Greg, you love the NFC South. You love... The Saints and and the Falcons rivalry is nasty. They do, those fan bases do not like each other at all. And I think back to after twenty eight three, Mardi Gras New Orleans was a couple days later, and it went viral that they actually had a young the young and the ringless uh, Mardi Gras float uh, in New Orleans, and a big picture is you know was at a a uh, artistic rendering of Matt Ryan's face and Julio Jones's face. The saints completely devoid of any Super Bowl uh, heroism themselves out of the playoffs. By that point, no Super Bowl ring. It was the Patriots, of course, who won the Lombardi that year. And yet they had a parade float celebrating the Falcons lowest moment in the history of their franchise. Fast forward to the present. Now Atlanta, (laughs) You're a bad team. You, we all know you're a bad team, but you've won a lot of close games. And if you have a chance here to just absolutely break the hearts of the Saints nation, get some revenge. Get petty as hell. Go for it in your building. Knock off the Saints. And their season. No Kyle Pitts in practice this week is a big concern. This offense is is limited. We saw it when they were without Corderell Patterson, how just taking one piece away, because to me, you know, Patterson, Gage, uh, and Pitts are the entire offense, and that hurts. And the Falcons, one of those close wins was against the Saints earlier this season. But I think what's different about this Saints defense now that wasn't the case early in the year was their pass rush is just so much better now. Cam Jordan went from just very quiet for half a season to wreck and shop Davenport's out of practice, but he's been amazing. And that good of a pass rush with this much to play for. I, I just think there's a much better chance than people realize of the saints playing on wildcard weekend, even if no one wants to see it. Cause I, 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 I kind of wish I locked this game up. Maybe I will. Let's switch it. I don't even know. It doesn't matter. You're going to get it wrong. It doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> I keep switching it. Uh, I, they're going to, I think they're going to win this game. And, uh, and I, I think the 49ers are 50-50 at best. You know, they're they're an underdog in Los Angeles, and that's all the Saints need to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, their path is as clear as anyone's. And, and you know, I think Atlanta and Arthur Smith, I give them credit for the close games they've won, that they've hung around, and they've done it kind of week after week with, you know, you never had Calvin Ridley at post-London game. You've been compromised. I mean, Cordero Patterson fried the Saints and kind of beguiled that defense the first time they met. And I don't think that has a chance of happening, A, again, just because the Saints defense is rounded into such a nasty bean. But also if Kyle Pitts isn't in there, 
it just, I don't know. You just run the bodies and, and they, they can't stop the run. So, I mean, I don't like this new Orleans offense on any level. I mean, we get that they're super compromised. They've scored like 30 points in three weeks, but that said, maybe you can run the ball against a terrible run defense and win a game like, you know, 15 to nine or something. That's Dude. how I see these saints games. Get the I'm Falcons keeping my eye on this life. one too. I knew Shook was, so I'm, I, you know, I still am going to. I mean, I, I, I know I you gotta, would. Though. I gotta, gotta watch this. I Taysom's been would. better. You get, you know, you guys used to be on the Taysom corner, and I was against it. Now I'm I almost on, think I'm he's, not on his he's getting pooped on too much. He's been I'm, okay. I'm Taysom agnostic. I've never had a real yeah. Taysom. Taysom. I just like him in the role he was before, where he added a lot of creativity and, and juice to the offense. It was he's, you and Wes versus me, I guess, right. back in the day. But yeah, Wes would also look at this and say he's played himself out of starting quarterback conversation at this. point point outside of the outrageous contracts they keep giving them getting a little better though is what i'm trying to say this is a great lock greg it is too little too late for you but it's still i think this is money in the bank i don't know maybe the rainmakers involved here i don't know because the saints have allowed less than 10 points a game for the last four weeks the falcons offense stinks now kyle pitts did return to practice on thursday in a limited fashion uh but that's a hamstring. It's late in the season. We'll see if he plays or how much he plays or if he's able to stay on the field. I just think um, this is going to be a game where the Falcons are going to have a lot of trouble scoring 10 points. And as much as I don't love the Taysom Hill led saints offense, I think the urgency of it all. Yes. This, this feels like a 24 to nine type win. Maybe Matt Ryan's last game as a Falcon. Probably not but something to keep an eye on there. We haven't really heard much about that recently, uh, but they seem to be a team that could go in a different direction as Arthur Smith goes into year two. Um, but I do like the Saints a lot here. And then they need help, as you said. We'll see if they get it. All right. Got some few more games to get to, and then we'll hit the Sunday Night Football. All right. Need a little uh, tagline action. Tagline. I, I, hate to, I hate to interrupt, but... Yeah, no, I'm just, I've been doing it one way for like 20 years, so right. I'm not used to the tagline, so don't take it. It doesn't mean I don't want to hear it. I really do. I just forget. Go I ahead. also told you, you know, minutes before the show that this was, uh, anyways, the tagline is, head of cabbage patch doll found in gutter. Doesn't sound good for the Falcons. No, you but can the read Falcons into that fans, one. fill that building. I know you probably don't want to or don't plan to, and it's going to be a lot of Saints fans there, but fill that building and get some revenge. This is your chance. They're not filling that building. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. That's why I'm trying to implore them to, Greg, (laughs) and really make life hard for the Saints who um, have designs on a playoff berth. All right, let's take a break and then finish the games. All right, here we go. Let's uh, hit the AFC North here. The Bengals at the Browns. This game means nothing because Cincinnati is not going to play Joe Burrow. They're not playing Joe Mixon. The Browns aren't playing Baker Mayfield. Case Keenum finally gets in the lineup and the season's over. That that's still that annoys me. Uh, but that's the road they decided to go down. Um, so there is a possibility here, Mark, with uh, Baker going under the knife, that he's already played his final game as a Brown. I still don't believe it. Greg feels the other side. Uh, do you want it to be? Do you want it to be over? No, I don't. You know, I was thinking about like that there were for all the ups and downs with Baker and the, and some of the poor play that I just think it's who he is that there have been moments that have been the best quarterback play the Browns have had in 20 something years. I mean, he looked as a rookie, like the next big thing. And I thought that what he did last year, it kind of just, it, to me as a Browns fan, it's like, for instance, today, Mary Kay Cabot put out a story basically saying that Baker Mayfield must resolve his differences with Kevin Stefanski soon. If they want to coexist next season, it was the tweet 
And then Baker. Wait, read Baker's tweet. Read, read his reply on Twitter. I will read his response. He, you know, he, he, he quote tweeted her and said, hmm. clickbait. You and many other Cleveland local media continue to be drama stirring reporters with no source or facts. Don't per put words in my mouth so you can put food on your table. I'm not your puppet. Now I like <laughs> I like the wording. I like um, his tweet ability, but it just kind of because at one point Brandon Whedon of all people quote tweeted Baker Mayfield to say you know stuff about Mary Kay Cabot that he the had guy that got lost too. under the American flag exactly. before his first They've game found him. He's emerged, and I mean in this scenario of all things, so. It kind of just hear. takes you back to um, the darkest possible place where Cleveland is dysfunctional. If anything, it's the contrast of who you're playing this week. The team that had been more dysfunctional you inside of your own state, the only bragging rights you had. And the Bengals do have something to play for. They can still get the number one seed if a bunch of other stuff happens. But they look to me like the, the next big thing in the AFC, which is what Cleveland was meant to be and cannot get out of their own way. Am I wrong? Is Joe Burrow maybe playing? No, he's no. out. So they don't care. It they they don't care about the game. Well, they know too. The Chiefs will. They'll know what's up a, Saturday night too. Yeah, they'll clinch uh, being ahead of the Bengals in the standings. Now they can and probably will fall from the three to the four, uh, and then if like the AFC favorites, East favorites won, or if the Bills won, you know that that basically locks in a, a Bengals Patriots game. Uh, so that's interesting. Just that, not that they're going to try to like set up their opponent, but they they will fall in the in the standings. The Baker thing, though, I I don't love him hitting out at the at Mary Kay that much because ultimately she's reporting something which she also did about a month ago, and and she one thing you left out, Mark, was that she said that you know he might uh, he might request a trade if if things don't get cleaned up. She's reporting what Michael Silver said on our air a, a year ago in the offseason, actually, which was kind of like that. He liked the idea of Alex Van Pelt as the play caller more than than Kevin Stefanski for whatever reason. Uh, I don't, she's not coming. It's not coming out of nowhere. She's been doing that job for 20 something years. She's getting that information from somewhere. It's probably not a secret to Kevin Stefanski. They're probably very annoyed to see these reports. Now, whether it's from Baker Mayfield's camp or not, who knows? Maybe it's something that's just been passed around, but it's very possibly from, you know, Baker Mayfield's camp that the information is even coming or started to go around in the first place. So it reminds me a little bit of the Russell Wilson stuff last year where he starts blaming the media for things that he his agent literally put up now that was on the record. This is not who knows who her sources are, uh, but I ultimately trust that she didn't make it up and that oh, the sources are made it up. You know, I, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so no. it's a, it it's, seems it like an like easy a mutual thing. split, right? If anything, I think the Browns are, are will be ready to move on if they at all can. And Baker, he's in his feelings right now, which is totally understandable <laughs> considering where he's at tagline mark. Nobody knows about my hidden second apartment. <laughs> oh, wow. That's just like a fact. Yeah, well, no, that's it's just not Mark wish casting I, about a reality that no, I don't have was financially. Was that's an impossibility, but it's just you did have that motel for a little while if, early. In, oh my god, right, that's right. Right? Can you even imagine? Let's say we got paid, you know, in like the equal, like the reach of the show is how we got paid. Imagine Mark's other apartment. I mean, where would it be? Is it in L.A.? Is it in the outskirts of the city? Is it up in Malibu, like a little shack? He obviously has a second residence um, that's just for him. 
But yeah, where is it? That's the question. I think it would be um, in the Hollywood regions to some degree, the, the vibrant part okay. of the city. In the hills. Well, you want to yeah. be where, the, Hollywood be where hills. the action yeah. is. Yes. But it's not, it, it couldn't be Watch farther there, from buddy. reality. Yes. It's like I'm eating like pizza crust off my children's plate. That's Do you the really want to be the 46-year-old guy married to two kids that gets the apartment in Hollywood to be where the action is? I mean, what? Yeah, I do. But I also would say that it would be, it wouldn't be a secret. I would invite many people around to it. It would just be a second like operation center. Like I love, I love that too, but I just, I understand where I am at my life now. And I just, not saying you don't, I'm just no, thinking I, myself. No, I definitely do not. So like, I, I think would that's definitely, contrast. mine would be the Malibu kind of little hideaway. It's very leafy. It's almost like, whoa, there's some, there's a place back there. And that's, it's like my little place yeah, where my children like, will never see it. Mine is super chilling, like looking down over all of Los Angeles. You know, I spent all of my life living down there and now you'd be living high above it in the oh, old you're going up in the hills. Hollywood Hills. Oh, I'm talking like gotcha. Beverly Hills, Hollywood Hills intersection where you can just hear like a pin drop in the middle of the night. Got it. So it's not like a so CD it's way better than your actual place. It's way better than your actual place. It's it would be way better. Mark, where are you at these days? Oh, I'm right behind the Viper room. Uh, it's really loud and dangerous, but higher up, mix. higher up in the hills, baby. All right, let's move on. Bears, Vikings, are both of these teams looking for new coaches in a week? Greg. Yes. Wait, Black Monday's coming up. Darn. Shoot, we haven't even thought about that reality. It's gonna be busy. Next week will be busy. Kirk Cousins is back. Justin Fields is not. He's on the COVID list. Andy Dalton's going to start again, it looks like. Good timing, Kirk. Way to go, bud. (laughs) Gotta be kidding me, dude. Doesn't it feel like... Be a winner. It feels like the game the Vikings are going to win like 40 to 10 and show us how much potential they had. Oh, yeah. Because it's meaningless. This was was the worst primetime game of the year uh, about four weeks ago. You remember Bears Vikings? I thought about locking this game, and I was like, no, no, no. That's just... uh, residual echo of when I liked the Vikings and I thought they were capable of doing special things, but it also is very on brand that the Vikings, like Mark saying, would absolutely savage the bears and Kirk would pad the hell out of his stats to get to 34, 35 touchdowns and Jefferson would go over 200 and, and it wouldn't mean a damn thing, uh, but it would definitely help Kirk cousins, uh, you know, bargaining uh, when he gets back to the table, whenever that may be. Uh, I think Kirk is more likely to be back with the Vikings than than Zimmer, but they could easily both be gone. <laughs> what about Kirk Cousins on the Browns, Mark? Uh, you know, I've seen little reports about like that Stefanski. would be one of the one Stefanski of the, guy. Know, but you don't, That's that, an upgrade. That, you know what kind of quarterbacks I like and don't like, and if 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 they take the team that I grew up with and stick Kirk Cousins on it, it's a hard out. I I don't want to put you in a tough position because I know this is a naughty question, but. Kirk Cousins or Deshaun Watson? Who do you want? Well, from a player angle, the answer is easy. I think that wow. I would rather the Browns. That's not. That's not the conversation. I mean, I don't. I don't. Well, I mean, I would. I don't know. Like, if if Deshaun Watson was found to have done nothing, which will not happen, I would want Deshaun Watson. I don't really like that for the Browns because it will probably turn ugly anyways. He's not going to want to go there. And what does it say about in a front office that I thought highly of? I, I'd rather just stay away from that, to be honest. Yeah, my thing is that. The, Stefanski is not going anywhere. This front office isn't going anywhere. Neither one of them brought in Baker. That that that's part of the that's part of the equation. They tried to make it work. Um, tagline. Sorry. 
Self-realization on Al-Qaeda Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I followed that one. Washington football team, the last game as the football team, maybe. Maybe they announced. Now, that would be an amazing troll job, Greg, if they do this whole like build up to the February 2nd reveal. And it's like, we're keeping the name, bitches. Like, I don't think that happens. <laughs> I mean, I would like that, but uh, man, I don't think uh, many people would. That would be the equivalent of, uh, you know, your your rails collapsing and you falling all over your fans. I don't know. <laughs> Are both of these teams, Mark, uh, replacing their head coach in a week or looking to? Well, no, Washington, I think, is is absolutely dug in with Ron Rivera. And I think that he's, you know, he is as important a head coach in terms of what he does as anyone in the league because, like, there's directionless without him. So, no, the Gi- the Giants, hmm, I, I think the Giants, because you know what we talked about with Matt Rule? It was like, just keep your head down, get out of the season, and don't do anything else that becomes like a meme or goes wild. Like the Shut Joe up, Judge yeah. speech from, you know, coming out of last week, it's exactly what we're talking about. He look he looks nutty to most people and disengaged, and he's making claims about the Giants that don't on any way line up with the product we've been seeing for years on end. I'm looking at the uh, NFL Research Week 18 notes, which is a, a great tool uh, in my position, and uh, they usually have they have you know a breakdown of the schedule and where they rank in various team rankings and then below it the first category storylines and then they usually have uh three different storylines that you know all things to keep an eye on in the game uh for this game it's just one bullet uh <laughs> and the bullet reads as follows matchup of eliminated nfc east foes oh, no. <laughs> well it's like a, it's like a could always be worse game i mean i think washington's going to wipe the floor with the giants uh, I'm not gonna rainmaker this, but I do like the Washington win by a lot. It's like they they're gonna feel good about themselves because they're not the Giants. They are keeping their coach. They are uh, a more functional football team at the moment. They have a much better quarterback. You're right that Judge rant, the Joe Judge rant, I think had the exact opposite impact of what he intended. Like right. Will Brinson and Bill Barnwell on Bill Barnwell's podcast did an entire podcast just breaking down. <laughs> That's conference. what you don't want to happen. <laughs> Which is like hilarious and a great, great idea, great content. Um, but it's just like, uh, it's just, it's just a, a disaster. At one point during that rant, I'd missed this the first time around. He said he was on a staff where everyone was going to, the 2018 staff, which he was on the Patriots, where everyone was getting was getting ready to fire us. We were all going to be on our way out, but we, we stuck together and we rallied and then we won the Super Bowl. It's like, What? You had just made it to two straight Super Bowls. And you had a like a pretty good record the whole time. I mean, it was never like a disastrous. Uh, so he's literally just like making things. Well, uh, that's well, your boy uh, from the Boston Globe, uh, Ben Volin, did chime in on that and said that there were there's a lot of behind the scenes menace that season care. around the Patriots. I don't care. I'm just saying I'm, I'm stoning in some it's facts. Just, from somebody just, that was there, boots on the ground. It's just like but. stretching. Just why are you talking about this stuff? I he shouldn't know. have. Yeah. I hope we see Will Brinson here in L.A. for the Super Bowl. CBS doesn't send Will. I, I hope we see the well, Super Bowl here in L.A. in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... I don't even want to talk about that storyline. But you're right. All right. Uh, tagline, Mark. Little, little slow, like a beat slow, Ricky. Let's uh, let's clean it up with the tags. <laughs> 
Um, okay, tagline. Man asks wife, do I look fat in these jeans? The man asked the wife. Yeah, that. see, no, because I didn't go. What, oh, you know, no, you shouldn't flat. say. It's like the yeah. man is asking if he if he appears that way. You've definitely, have you asked Simone if you've ever looked fat in jeans? Have you ever asked her that? I don't know about fat, but I've occasionally asked, like, does this match with this? And I wouldn't call either one well, of us different. like fashionistas. And sometimes there's not a very clear answer. And I might have to think about going elsewhere for feedback wow. on that front. Taking shots at no, Simone's no, fashionista. I, I, I lack skills in many areas. And I, like, we all, as humans, we all sometimes do. And we have skills in other areas. Right, different great. needs uh carolina at tampa bay final okay. one right uh, this it? is the last one before sunday night football uh the panthers are one of the very worst teams in football led by sam darnold who is not juicing the offense it's a big old mess matt rule another guy who could be in a little bit of uh, trouble here we'll see how the offseason shakes out uh the bucks of course uh coming off that big comeback win over the jets and let me just check in here uh, the Bucks enter week 18 at 12 and four. They're the three seed in the NFC. They can move up to the two seed with a win and a Rams loss to the Niners. So that is in play. And I, and I think that could matter to them. The NFC, I think all these teams should want to win to because the Rams are just such a, a possible L in, in week 18 and they play in, you know, in the late afternoon window at the, at the same time as this game. And getting a two seed for a team that's undefeated at home and is a pass happy team in like warm weather, to me, that totally matters rather than possibly getting stuck at the four seed and, and going to Green Bay. So I think I think Tom Brady will play a lot of this game, maybe play the entire game, and that they'll be careful with guys who are already hurt. I mean, Shaq Barrett's gonna be out again, JPP's out, Levante David's been out. They they definitely miss those guys. But otherwise, I think the Bucks are gonna try to win this game and they they should they've they've beaten the bucks their panthers in under bat rule by at least 20 points every time they've played them so that's that's a pretty good little well and if you look at tampa's home and away splits like there's something real to it we have a full season to look at it and i think they absolutely want every possible home advantage they can have versus going to unfriendly weather i mean this should be a a layup for them like if you look at you know i know they're banged up and everyone talks about that but right robbie anderson was not practicing Thursday. Terrace Marshall's on IR. She Smith is on the COVID list. It's like DJ Moore and a bunch of maybe like practice squad guys catching passes from a quarterback who's totally inept behind a terrible offensive line. So if you can go do what Tom Brady did on that final drive with the guys he was throwing to, I see no problem with them taking care of business here in a game that they that only puts the Carolina Panthers in deeper darkness. Seven losses in a row to close the season would be as ugly as one could imagine. Uh, this will be a slaughter. The Bucks will take care of business. They, of course, were a wild card last year and won three road games to get to the Super Bowl, which was played in their building uh, in Tampa. So they can win on the ho- at home or on the road, but you're right. You always want to play in your building when you can. Uh, just to put a, a button on the Antonio Brown melodrama, uh, Brown came out and said, the reason why I left is because I was essentially fired on the sideline for refusing to go back in the game on a bad ankle. And he's been all over with a long statement on Instagram, all very exhausting. Uh, but that was his side of the story. And then Bruce Arians came in for his press conference on Thursday and gave his side of it, which sounded very much like the truth. Let's hear that. Obviously, we let Antonio go today. Um, just to clear you up on some things that happened. At no point in time during that game 
did he ever ask the trainer or doctor about his ankle? He never went through. That's the normal protocol. You go through protocols during games. I was never notified of it. So obviously that was a, the disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. All right, we always had, uh, he was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted. Got that calmed down. Players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. Um, I then went back, approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said, you're done. Get the F out of here. And that's the, that's the, that's the end of it. And uh, we, are work, we are working on Carolina. That's the end of the story. And um, hopefully it ends today. I guess that that's the the price he's they're paying the price now. The, the bill always comes due, an old Francesaism. The bill came due here for the Bucks, and uh, they're having to do this ugly cleanup. And now it it certainly seems as if Brown is going to enter into some type of litigation to try to get his money from the Bucks. So they're paying the price for getting in bed and being loyal to a guy who's never been loyal to anyone uh, but himself. That's where we're at. Yeah, they cut him officially too. I, I don't I don't doubt any of that particular sequence as it happened during the game. I don't doubt the you know, Brown brought in all this stuff that he was playing through torn ligaments and felt pressured to play, which a lot of NFL players kind of feel in general. And he's going to have surgery. Like I don't doubt that he was playing injured, but it seems pretty clear that if if players are having to calm him down because he's not getting enough targets during the game that whatever you're talking about with the injury message and that you never called the trainer over gets totally muddled. Plus we had feet on the ground in the Meadowlands last week by special around the NFL correspondent, Mike Berkowitz, who said he was about five rows up watching this whole Burke. thing. And he said, Bruce Arians did not do a throat slash gesture. <laughs> like uh, Antonio Brown said that he pointed to the locker room, which you can't can see in the video too. He points to the locker room, like go to the locker room. You're, you're done here. Well, and one little thing, it's like Antonio Brown is on Instagram calling out <clears throat> Alex Guerrero, Brady's TB12 yes, guy. Yes, he deleted that Brady. stuff. Right, yeah, and I think it's like it's good. the classic thing where he is hitting out at the people that, if anything, try to support him. And so it's it is you're right. The bill has come due. You could argue. I'm not saying that they won a Super Bowl because of him, but he was a contributor to that. I would think that from a football angle, cool. But at this point, like this is not that shocking. And I hope we don't discuss this guy again for a while. I just I'm right. tired. It's of on him. Brady though. To be fair, I mean, it it really you know he didn't face too much tough question on it's like. Brown was kind of his responsibility. He pretty clearly strong-armed Arians, who had terrible track record with him, into doing it. And, yeah, it worked for a while, and then it didn't work. And now he's he's saying that Alex Guerrero, Brady's trainer, didn't do anything for the $100,000 that Brown gave him. And it's like, oh, this is, this is what you get. Tagline, Mark. <laughs> is this a... Was that a bit to make me wait? Okay. Uh, please give me a domestic chore to accomplish. We're getting back into the realm of the uncomfortably sensual. Oh, it could be 
or Please. just the grievances of a frustrated man or just take out the, just frustrated take out middle-aged the family man um finally sunday night football oh sunday night the chargers here we go super chargers it's all in front of you a star-crossed franchise uh, an organization with a fan base that's understandably fatalistic and you look at this game and you say oh man we're going to vegas they've won three in a row it's a win and in. This is the first true playoff game. Even if it's not officially a playoff game, this is the play-in game like they have in the, the NCAA. Uh, the play-in game to get into the bracket. That's what this is. Chargers, Raiders. And um, I'll start right here, boys. Chargers are the better team. The Chargers are the better quarterback. I've watched every one of the Raider games this year. I wrote them off a month ago. I was wrong but I also, it's important that we have some nuance to this conversation about the Raiders. They get absolutely stomped by the Chiefs. They're cooked with the Browns uh, going to Cleveland. The Browns get absolutely savaged by COVID and injury and all that. They somehow steal that game. And then they do it essentially two more times, getting breaks every step of the way. This three-game winning streak, as much as it's been commendable, even the Colts win. You're getting Carson Wentz and all the drama around the COVID diagnosis and just making it back into the lineup. Uh, what was the week before that? What was the break they caught? Uh... Well, they got Drew Locke, basically. I mean, I don't know if they're... It's an argument for Teddy Bridgewater, but they got a defunct Broncos. They got Drew Locke, who hasn't won a game in his whole life, it feels like. Um, I'm probably wrong about that, but I'm sure he doesn't have a ton of wins. Um, <laughs> so, in my mind, the Raiders are Fugazi. In my mind, in my mind the Chargers are going to have a moment here in my mind with the lock championship within sights. I'm locking up the chargers to take care of business. Nice. Football like gods be damned. You know what I'm going to do? Cause I was going to lock a different team, but I, I, at this point I have to throw the hail Mary to even stay alive in this. I'm going to rock. I don't believe they're going to win. I'm just doing this for weirdness. I'm locking the Raiders just to see what happens. Very interesting. I think it's a, it's, I guess it would be a sensible play. I'd love to hear what the um, what like the analytics community would say about this because you're two games back right now. You're only two back. Ahead. I think you're, I'm, he's only I two three? back. Oh, am I, is it okay? And if if I if I win a lock off here, it's pretty much a wrap. It's almost like this is the Super Bowl of the lock championship. Um, and if that's the case, I do like my chances. Well, I, I think it's, you know, let, let's continue to add juice where we can to week 18. Um, I know I could take it, you know, for three more You're weeks. You're three games just, back, Mark. You're I'm three, three back. back. So oh, this it's is three. Like, yeah, I'm three. So it's like, I, I have to be honest, like um, our organization uh, behind the scenes is kind of, we're looking towards the off season on one level. It's felt <laughs> there's been a calm not having to worry about the locks. But if this occurs, I'm two back and I'm going to take a different strategy in the playoffs. Right, because there's you know there are five playoff weeks and those are not necessarily easy games to pick either. Uh, the Raiders aren't huge underdogs here, so it's not a crazy idea. They're three point underdogs. It feels like the right line for this game uh, when the Chargers are the road team and the Chargers are the better team overall. But I do think if they could get it, you know, to the latter stages of the fourth quarter, I'm not worried about like the Chargers. Mojo, you know, I know they had a tough loss in, against the Chiefs, but they've had some good late wins too. But I do think the Raiders have a positive late game mojo that 
that could matter here, that they feel confident in their quarterback and the way they've closed games out that would really help them if they're in a spot where they get the ball down four, you know, with a couple minutes to play. At that point, I would be I would be worried if I'm back in the Chargers, and, and I am hoping the Chargers win this game. They, they, they just got to attack. You look at the Raiders cornerbacks. They're playing Brandon Faison. He's a guy who couldn't make the Chargers. He's like, he was like their sixth cornerback. And they're playing Desmond Trufant, whose career was all but over. Um, you know, these are their cornerbacks. And you, you got Justin Herbert. You got an aggressive play, you know, play caller. I think this is a game where they hand it to Herbert, and he's going to throw it about 45 times, and they're going to see if the Raiders can keep up. Because in this whole Raiders winning streak, everything's been 20-16, to 23-20, you know, 16-14, games like that. And if the Chargers can put up a lot of points, I, I don't think the Raiders can keep I mean, up. You, I'm you, with you, Dave. You pull every AFC playoff team and ask them which team they want to win this. They don't want the Los Angeles Chargers in the playoffs because on, mm. on the right day, I think they could puncture anyone. The Raiders, I, I see them like as the team I'd much rather less see one more week of. Although I give Derek Carr, I mean, he's kind of tugged them this whole way. You know, this has not been a full job like those other seasons. It's a different narrative. They, they uh, missed Corey Lindsay last week. The Chargers have a Pro Bowl center in Corey Lindsay. He was not out and what's been a strength for them or a big improvement in terms of their offensive line looked a little leaky. That could be a bit of a problem for them this week. Um, yeah, the, unless the Chargers offense completely shoots itself in the foot and doesn't show up um, or COVID steps up and rears its ugly head. I just don't like the Raiders as good as the defense has been uh, the last three weeks. And again, the opponent has to be factored into that since the week eight by here are their point totals. This is how much they've scored 16, 14, 13. You had the 36 against Dallas on Thanksgiving and then 15, nine, 16, 17, 23. They just Waller, can't score. Waller is practicing, which is huge. If, if, if they can, but get he's also not just the injury. Waller. He's coming off COVID. And again, we're seeing these guys coming off COVID. You can't just pencil them in to immediately be impact yeah. guys. Yeah, Bosa too said who is coming off COVID, COVID and is unvaccinated. Said he was struggling to get his breath back this week. He admitted it in practice um, while accepting the Good Guy Award for sportsmanship in dealing with <laughs> the Los Angeles media. So applaud Joey Bosa for that. And by the way, uh, sportsmanship. Uh, there is a soundbite if you go back to the first meeting between these two teams where Bosa goes out of his way to titanically bury Derek Carr. <laughs> and he makes a comment along the lines of, we, you know, we know he's had a good year, but we know the way that guy is. If we put a little pressure on him, he goes into a shell, like just savaging Carr uh, and calling him out essentially as a weak professional football player. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying I like that stuff. I think there's not enough of that in sports anymore. Just players mixing it up and having fun and just, you know, you're playing football here. Uh, but it, it it certainly was notable because I remember Carr when, it, you know, he was asked about it. He was like, whoa, did this guy watch the wrong game? Because in the first matchup, uh, the Raiders came on strong at the end of the game. They didn't fade uh, as things went. It was a, uh, what was the final of that game? It was a 28-14 uh, lost to the Chargers, so that that was that lightning um, lightning delay game. I do like that Bosa didn't back off it too much this week. He was just like, "Yeah, I just think um, he kind of goes into a shell when he gets hit, like a lot of quarterbacks." Right. <laughs> it's like okay, all right, very interesting. High. He's right. right. I mean, he's probably right. Right. Mark, that's that's huge. That's the championship right there. Yeah, 
No, I, and, you know, I reserve the right to, to change my pick, but I don't see myself changing it I think that's at smart. All. I think the analytics would say that's a good strategy. It is. It's a three-point three spread. You're down three with six to go, you know. No, it was You've much more aggressive. It was much more controversial if it was two games. But once you said it was three, yes, that it does feel like it is time to hit the emergency lever, uh, in this case, back the Raiders and their Fugazi winning streak. So I feel good about this. How about a tagline? Kitty bites. Oh, yeah, you knew he's saving that one for the gross. End. So gross. Why is it gross? <laughs> it's gross. I, maybe I don't know. Maybe Erica says that I don't find it gross, but when you do, oh, well, I don't think in general I'd be. It's something that I would. Ricky, can you say jump on and say personally? kitty bites? For I think the way that your say, eyes looked as wait, you said, wait, let's clear like, the floors, clear the runway. I'm learning to read these lines. I'm Everybody, clear the runway. Way. Erica, I'm doing a test. It's an A B test. Mark, you go first. Say it again. Kitty bites. That's not how. No, it that's works. not how you said you it. You have to say right. it the way you said it. Kitty bites. Kitty bites. <laughs> All right, now Ricky. Okay, Dan, close your eyes. Okay. Ooh, kitty bites. Okay. Well, obviously, that's preferable. Thank you, Ricky. <laughs> obviously, gorgeous, gorgeous girls love to say kitty bites. <laughs> that's a W for Hollywood. All right, that's it. That is week eighteen. That is the first ever week 18 preview. How about that? Well, it's the longest season ever. It's the longest preview show ever. I don't know what it is about us at home. We just can't, can't stop talking. We're, we're lonely men who need, uh, need to get back together. <laughs> <laughs> we want to get back in the studio. We're just waiting for the go-ahead, just so everybody knows. We haven't been given the clearance yet. But once we do, we'll be back together in person. Uh, but that's not happening yet. All right. Anything else? Oh, no TV show this week. Also COVID related. The, 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 we're working on the show is going to be back for sure. Next Friday, hour long format, breaking down each of the playoff rounds. So make sure you check in the DVR next Friday. If you don't see it on the DVR or you're here in like the West Coast, for instance, and you get up at 3.58 a.m. and you put a pot of coffee on the kettle there and then you got to sit down and watch your favorite football show. It's not coming on. Now, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't throw your coffee on the ground. Don't scream and run into the street half nude. Just understand we'll be back next Friday. Peter Schrager's son is going to be very disappointed by this development. <laughs> well, you you show him a repeat because our true fans will go back and watch what we had to say in week 11, perhaps, or, or prior to that. All right, good stuff. All right, everybody. We'll see you on Sunday. Enjoy the football. Heed the call.